The idea of job security is outdated as a landline. If you haven't been in a search for a while, it's probable you will at some point, by choice or not. Most executives admit to staying way too long or sense what's coming and justify staying anyway. Here, there's another reason. The faulty belief that navigating to what's next will inevitably be worse and has to suck. Screw that. Lauren Greif has spent a lifetime in corporate and executive search, calling bullshit on stale career advice that most still use. This is Career Blast in a Half, the career podcast for executives ready to cut past outdated career advice to fuel your outcomes now. So let's go. Being in your job search can be one of the most humbling and exposing experiences of our careers. Sometimes we feel all that and it's as if we are unstoppable. And other times there are things that come to the surface that most people can't really even see, but that we know need to be brought into the light. Today I'm here with David Dancer and Yes, he is the CEO, but he's also a six-time CMO with decades of experiences across big, huge brands that we all know and love, like American Express and Teleflora and Visa and Inspire Clean Energy and Mad Men. But the reason why David is really here is because his story and our interest in zooming past stinky career advice in the spirit of today's world and its relevancy is really capitalizing on his mission and committed fight for LGBTQ plus workplace equality. David Dancer, thank you so much for all that you do, for coming on this show today and really being you yourself and advocating for this kind of diversity. So please, what did I miss? Please fill in the blanks so that people understand that your mission is to drive something that isn't a nice to have. This is our world today. Yeah. Well, Lauren, thank you. Thanks for having me on here. I don't know if you missed anything. That definitely covers a lot of what I've done and a lot of what I'm focused on. And, uh, you know, when we met, I was really taken by your commitment to really kind of break down traditional approaches and look for new ways and find opportunity for folks that they may think is not there for them. But in fact, it really is if they utilize some of the tips and tricks and tools that I think you provide them. And so that for me has been paramount in my career, finding ways to re-engineer, to rebrand, to regrow and redevelop. And a lot of my career opportunities and a lot of my experience has been doing just that. And one thing that's core and central as I've realized later in my career is authenticity and being able to work towards being as authentic as you can in the workplace and in your personal life and hopefully trying to find some harmony with those. And so I was excited to talk to you today a little bit about your tools and tricks and be able to add hopefully some valuable insights to your listeners. So coming from the world of corporate, which let's face it, 
comes with connotations of being very conservative and filled with hierarchy and looking the part and wearing the suit and doing all those things. Bring us back to what it was like for you working at these blue chip companies with this very kind of buttoned up approach and you coming to that point in time where you were willing, able, courageous enough to bring this out into the open. What was that like for you? Yeah, it's, you make me think back and it makes me chuckle a little because I wore a suit to my job for the first several years that? that I was in the workplace, which now seems just so crazy. Although here in New York, I still see, you know, folks downtown and Wall Street still wearing their suits. But, you know, I, I made a decision very early when I was able to realize and embrace my own identity of identifying as a gay man. And although I come into that situation very privileged, I also present as a white man. So I realized I had a lot of privilege in my career early on because of that. And I actually accidentally came out. I had gone to a pride event and got, I ran in a road race and there was a pride flag on my t-shirt. And I went to a work uh, uh, business trip with several colleagues and I organized, let's all go for a run. And I wore my pride running t-shirt. And so one of my colleagues said, you know, and there's an easy out, right? I just went, I'm supportive. But I was asked, what is this? And I immediately, my my sort of sometimes naive Midwestern transparent truth-telling person, I said, oh, well, I'm gay. And that started my journey. And I realized I had come out to my family. I was living out. And this was literally a matter of months prior I had come out to my family. So there wasn't a long delay that I was hiding my identity at work. And that journey uh, began. But I think, you know, reference to suits and reference to how the workplace used to look. While here I'm sitting with a polo shirt and sneakers, and that's totally fine, you know, the workplace hasn't changed all that much. There's still four LGBTQ plus identified people. There's still quite a challenge. You don't see yourself in that workplace as often as you would like, which may mean you don't have colleagues to collaborate with colleagues to ask questions to. You may not have a mentor. You may not have someone to look up to and that see it to believe it and see it to be it is not as as mm -hmm. prominent. And uh and you know, many LGBTQ plus people, we've been living a life of getting out of our shame and getting out of our own way of our own insecurities of of things that maybe people have put on us or experiences that we've been given. So very early, I started this journey somewhat accidentally, but it was it was all for a reason, and I was happy that it happened. I was I was very early in my career able to simply show up and say this is who I am, and I and for whatever reason I I wasn't necessarily scared to do so. I worked with a lot of great people in my career, but navigating that has been challenging. There are a lot of times when you are showing up as several different versions of yourself. So showing up for 
time with friends outside of work doesn't always look exactly the same at work. And I think that LGBTQ plus people often have to think about that maybe a little bit more and understand, is this safe? Is this a place where I can find support? Is this a place where I can trust? And uh, and again, depending on your individual circumstance, it can it can be tough. I've certainly had a lot of places where I have been in situations where I've avoided that topic altogether. And there's been situations where I'm leading the establishment of a DEI program, and that's a focus of what I'm working on for a good part of my job. I'm so glad that you raised this flag, the trust flag up. And the reason for that is because anytime anybody is in their job search, in any area of their career, there's always that question mark. You know, how much trust? Can I really trust the people that I'm working with? Does this person have my back? Is this person advocating for me or they are just stealing my ideas? But now you add another layer on top of this. And so I'm curious what the trust test is. How do you assess, go about sniffing out either a culture, an organization, a manager, a peer, somebody else where you are making some kind of either gut or substantiated basis of trust? How do you know how to do that? Because for so many of our listeners, especially in the C-suite at the executive level, like yourself, there's already so much that you're questioning. What is your process and what steps might they actually start to piece together to accumulate, oh, that equals trust? It's a great question. And and I wish I had the the tested solution, but I will tell you, you know, it's a tough one. Um, you know, it's and I'm sure you've talked about this in looking for jobs and and searching for jobs with your your clients and your listeners it's tough to get the full read when you're just looking at is this a good place to work in general and then to your point adding in that layer of is this a place where i can truly show up as my authentic self and will i be valued will my opinions be valued will i be accepted you know i think there's a lot of things that have happened over the years an organization, the Human Rights Campaign, has a corporate equality index. Mm. They started several decades ago really asking companies to come forward to submit basically against their criteria. Do you offer equal benefits? Do you offer you know, a lot of different services and offerings? Is it equitable for your LGBTQ plus employees? So they have what's called the Corporate Equality Index ranking. So it became and has become something that queer people will look at as they start to look at a company. Does my company submit to this? One, that shows they're committed. Do they have a high score? And maybe they don't need to have a high score, but at least submitting to that shows they want to show up. They want to improve. So I think that's a real macro thing. And then you get in there, you get into the environment and you start to think about, will I fit in here? You know, I think I, even at this stage in my career, as I'm looking to take on new clients, as I'm looking for a new job, a full-time job, maybe one of the questions in my very first round of interviews with 
CEOs, board members, is asking them very specifically about their commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, and to let me know what that looks like. So there are things like, do they have a commitment? Do they have DEI goals? Do they have that in place? Do they have employee resource groups? And smaller companies might not have resources to do that, but do they have a commitment to ensuring that their workplace is equitable and inclusive? And 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 then understanding and I think gauging and reading how that executive um, explains it are you know really I've been a part of many of these um, DEI efforts across many organizations and one of the biggest challenges is educating the C-suite and mm-hmm. getting commitment from the C-suite. Um, so I think those are a couple of macro things, and then I think. You know, you really do have, and maybe queer people have more onus on this than others. You really do need to do some research. You know, read about the company, understand what that company is doing. Look at Glassdoor. I'm a marketer by my passion, and you can look at campaigns, and you can look at outreach mm-hmm. and messaging, and you can see how that brand shows up. But I think in the end, you know, we all have to use our own intuition. We have to ask questions that provide us with insights that are helpful. I think that something that's really important, I worked with and was lucky to work with an executive coach when I was at Visa, who I then later worked with on my own and have had a relationship now for 20 years. And you know, one of the things that we did very early on was defining my values. What are my values? You know, and again, as a marketer, Companies have values and they can be found a little few layers in in an organization's website, but you can find them usually on their website. And I think as I've navigated my career, I've realized the importance of honoring my values. Sometimes the coolness of the brand, the 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 savvy of the team, the accolades they've received, they can be real shiny objects. And for me, grounding in those values that I have, which much of it is grounded in in this focus on DE&I and focus on inclusivity and focus on culture to thrive and to create voices and allow voices to come from all different places. So, So it's not a perfect thing, but I think you can start by taking a look at some of those and, and um, doing your research. And, and one thing you all, we all need to do is make sure you're tapping into your own network and trying to understand if you can get some insight on that brand or that manager or, or, or whatever opportunity you're looking at. Wow. I'm so happy that you shared all of this because those subtle clues can share a lot, especially when you said, Ooh, are you looking at their marketing campaigns? You know, are they all a bunch of white people? Are they, you know, how, how is this really showing up? Because of course, there's so much information that's always hiding in plain sight. And then we scratch our heads and go, well, what question should I ask? Like, well, you know, some of it is right over here. I wanted to find out what your thoughts are. And I'm sure you've been through this with dealing with maybe a level of bias, prejudice, snarkiness in the work place when you may have confronted either somebody who's more senior to you or somebody in your organization, maybe a client, and how you have been able to 
overcome it, handle it, deal with it. I remember a very old friend of mine once said, tact is the definition of making your point without making an enemy. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I'm stealing that. That's really good. And so and now I ask you how you've been able to deal with those situations in a very tactful manner because the politics of organizations and dealing with even the rapport building and building that those relationships early on can sometimes be so challenged. And if you are finding where, that there's friction early on, but you may not necessarily want to ditch it, or maybe you do, right? How do you how do you deal with that head on? Yeah, it's it's a challenging thing. But I will say, uh, a former colleague of mine always said, you know. No one is showing up this morning to try to ruin someone else's day. Everyone is trying to show up in their own way with their own circumstances to make a positive impact. So number one, I think assuming positive intent is a really great way to ground yourself because something can happen. You mentioned Lauren Snarky, and it could also just be insensitive, you know, maybe not yeah. even to the extreme of snarky, but I would say more than often, the situations I've been in are are more insensitive and or not educated, quite frankly. I was going to say ignorant, right? Yeah. And so what I have always done in these situations, and I, I'll preface this with, it is still hard, but it's gotten easier over time. And I think there's a correlation maybe with age and wisdom and experience, but there's also um, some privilege. So talking to someone as a senior vice president or a C-suite leader can often be different as well. So I think first and foremost, my advice to people listening is make sure you're safe. Make sure that this is something you feel you want to address. Make sure that you've exhausted other options because you don't have to do this. You're, you're not, it's not part of the job description to do that. But but I think so there are your human resources department and potentially your manager, if it's not that person, which it sometimes is, um, you know, can help you. So I think one, make sure those paths are checked. But if you are willing to do so and in a position to do so and feel obligated to, for me, I always find one on one personal time. I set that time up with the individual. And. I work really hard to show my own vulnerabilities and I try to give comparisons of, you know, I wonder if you've thought about it in this context. I wonder if, you know, I will, I will give you an example, a live example from my career. Um, hey. My nephew is a special needs um, man, 26 years old and um, was born with autism and cerebral palsy. And someone in a meeting, a very senior person over me, and I was in the C-suite, said something was retarded. And that is, um, as sometimes you say, you should know better, how would you, whatever that is. So for me, it was sitting down and saying, I want you to think about what if your children, I knew that this person had children, went to school and they were called that name. You know, let's just think about it a little bit more. Think about what that would make you feel if your child came home and said they were called, whatever it is, it could have been retarded, it could have been another name. 
that that's something your child's dealing with. And so I try to bring it into a place of, can you empathize with what just happened in some way? I don't want you to feel badly that it happened, but I want you to empathize and understand. And, and that person looked at me and said, I had no idea. I've said that before. It's meant this to me in prior situations. I now understand that word's crossed out of my vocabulary. So I think it, that's a positive outcome, but that's someone who's got real power and real influence and is kind of running uninformed on some of these things. Now, it's complicated. You can't spend all your day having these conversations because, by the way, these things go up all day long. <laughs> but I, I think it's important. But I think it's important to try to take the time. And so I think it's: Are you safe? Have you looked at other channels? Do you feel you want to do this? And I think it's also sitting down and really trying to humanize the conversation, not be accusatory. And again, there are so many scenarios where this could have been something that's completely unacceptable, and you shouldn't even be dealing with. But I think. Those types of conversations for me have been really, really helpful over a cup of coffee, at lunch, setting up real personal time, getting a little bit removed from the day to day so you can have a, a vulnerable, honest conversation. It takes a lot of strength. And it also takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to separate yourself out because I know from my standpoint, and I identify as alcoholic, that I've had many, many, many situations in the workplace where People have made a bunch of snide remarks about this and that. And initially, I took it very, very personally. And I was angry because of the ignorance. And I was also angry because it was creating a, a level of exclusion where I wasn't invited to company events and things like that because they made assumptions. And uh, I appreciate so much how you handled this. And I want to also ask you, you know, as you are going through the interview process, what questions or when do you say enough is enough, right? Because when so much of what you shared earlier was aligning your values, and that is also running concurrently with the script that says, I need this job. I want this job. I really want to work there. I'm running low on funds. I don't know what my friends and family are going to say. How much longer am I going to be on the market? So where is the break point between, okay, I'm standing up for my values and I also have this quote unquote, mandate that I need to address? It's such a good question because I think we think about that in the job search process. I think we think about that while we're in the job of, but I want the next promotion or I, I have to keep this job or and by the way, financial security and safety, as I keep going back to safety, are paramount. And so um, I, I certainly understand making decisions based on that. And I think, you know, if you've been on the job market for an extended period of time, which many people um, are, and I've taken extended periods of time off myself, and the process doesn't ever run as smoothly and as quickly as you think. I think trying to activate your network, who you rely on, who you trust, 
I think honoring those values, maybe working really hard to not find yourself in that situation, I might think about first. That would be that would be my first step. But once I get in there, you know, it's really interesting. I, I like the question a lot because I have found myself in that situation of really thinking the job looked amazing or the brand was so respectful or or innovative or whatever that was. And it's interesting. I, I've never thought of it this way, but I've often gone through and said, was this just a bad apple in the group or is this the group? And maybe that one person, I'm not going to work with them so much. So I probably could manage through that. And I probably could work for change. And so I think some of those tips that I gave at a higher level of the company and the organization and what they stand for, if you've done that diligence and you're there and you're still not finding alignment, you know, I think it's a it's a red flag for sure. And I think then it's trying to decipher, which listen, you're both interviewing each other. No one's being fully transparent often during that process. There's often a lot of other things going on with both sides of the of that of the relationship. But I think trying to assess sort of for me, I kind of go, well, is my manager this way, my direct manager? Were some of my colleagues that I'll be working with this way, my team members? And then sort of un- trying to understand because listen, as you said, Lauren, if I'm in a position where next month I need to pay the bills, then I think it would come down to, could I be safe here? And could this be an opportunity that may work in the short term? And I continue this search, but I, I take this position as something that I can do as I continue to search for something that looks like it may be more aligned and fulfilling. Yeah, we call that the runway, right? <laughs> exactly. Can I be building my runway while I'm still on the plane? Exactly. I want to talk about social media. Oh, like that love-hate relationship that I have with it. And also, we're on LinkedIn. What if somebody finds out? What if they go through my feed and see that I was at this event or I'm with my partner over here, over there? Is that something that we, I mean, here, here it is, right? We want to be transparent because that makes us authentic. And what if that, what if you're afraid that that might jeopardize on some level your candidacy? How, how do we treat our social media feed, whether it be actual images, content, does it matter? Should we, should we censor? Should we not censor? I mean, of course, this is such a personal decision, but based off of your experience as somebody on the board of directors for Gay Lesbian, you know, Straight Education Network, and for 10 years, what do you say? What do you say? Yeah, I think in those you, you, you know, your, your, your word that I would start with is, is exactly right, which is per, it's personal. And I think that backs itself all the way up to your coming out journey. So that mm-hmm. is personal. And, and, and again, as, as we've said several times, safety, financial security, trump everything. So if you are able to come out and remain safe and remain financially secure, 
then I think it becomes a personal decision of how much am I going to share? And, you know, again, your outness in your personal life, I think you bring up a really good point. And I will say that I've run into these challenges managing large teams of people where, you know, this isn't necessarily queer related, but social media is showing them out at the beach on a day when they're saying they're out sick. I'm very simple example. So I think being really mindful of your personal brand is just as important today as being mindful of your professional brand. And in many cases, especially with the proliferation and the focus on DEI, those have combined. And you know, there's leaders, you know, like myself who are out there presenting all of themselves on LinkedIn and all of themselves on Instagram. And so I think you really do, though, need to think about when you think of best practices around social media in general, your personal brand is fully exposed. There's no way around it. There's just no way around it now with social media and and social media, you know, starting with with Facebook and now having Many of us have six, eight, 10 different channels and handles that you're managing. So I think making that decision of what you want to show and, and how you want to be portrayed and being really realistic and understanding, your employer will see all of that. That's all the point, right? So regardless of what situation it is, know that it is available and will be reviewed. Right? It's, right. Not, it's not like they're going to miss it because especially at the C-suite level, I mean, I know, for example, with, with many of the high security industries, financial services, any of those, you know, highly regulated categories, insurance too, they do background checks and they're finding out every little detail, drug testing, of course. But I'd like to hope anybody that's putting that out there already knows that you got to be comfortable with it first because you can't control their responses or their reactions or their interpretations. But if you're okay with it, then that's all that really matters. I think that's right. And I think, you know, I have through the years deliberately and, and by the way, have had a pause when this decision was made by myself every time, which was I would put on, you mentioned Glisten and my time on the board there and several other organizations that I've been a part of. I've deliberately ensured that in my other activities and interests, I have one of those listed. One, I want to, I'm proud of it. It's it, it, the organizations I'm serving are making a difference and the, hopefully my contributions are helping. But I remember thinking that through many times as I've updated my resume or my LinkedIn or whatever it is that I'm using for my own professional brand. And I said, I want to put that on there. I want to make sure it's almost like I'm saying, I want you to see this. I want you to know this because I'm going to show up that way. And and again, there, there could be, and I'm sure there are in many cir- circumstances that I don't even know that could have affected the outcome or the chances that were given to me. But I, I really firmly believe in making sure that I show up. I don't necessarily in a first interview, I guess if it comes up appropriately, I will, but it's not that I come out in my first interview. But I think 
I've always thought putting that I'm on the board of, of one of the largest LGBT organizations in the country sort of showed them pretty quickly who I was. And I like that because it qualifies you, it qualifies them. It's like you get what you get, right? Like you know this right up That's front. That's right. That's right. That's right. I want to talk about your podcast because you're like exactly to the day, one month out of Clout for Good. Tell us about this podcast. Tell us about why you're doing it. Who's coming up on it? And uh, love to hear because I want you to build your audience as much as you can. And hopefully this can give you a little bit of a kickstart. I appreciate it, Lauren. Thank you. Yeah. You know, this conversation and this rolls right into this so, so appropriately. This this work that I've done within DEI, the experiences I've had as a queer identified eventually executive, and working with students, working with younger employees, and understanding that, as we talked about early on, less than a percent of board seats on public boards are occupied by LGBT identified people. And, you know, folks, LGBT employees are underrepresented throughout all of the different levels of management within organizations. Those are just facts. And so representation is important. And I think uh, what I've learned also, I've had the privilege of being an executive sponsor of some of the employee resource groups at companies that I've served. And, and LGBTQ plus employees are looking for communities. They're looking for mentorship. They're looking for tools and resources. And so Clout for Good came from all of this work and these insights to tell stories. And so what I'll be doing on uh, my podcast is interviewing queer identified executives who are out in the workplace. I like to say that they're using their clout for good and hearing their stories. How did they come out? And much of our conversation today, you'll see, we talk a lot about these things on, on my podcast as well, and really getting advice from people who, prior president of Disney Store, chief marketing officer of iHeartMedia, chief marketing officer of Carnival Cruise Lines, folks who are in positions of influence and power and have stories to tell that weren't easy and have insights and tools and resources they can provide to folks who are either queer identified and looking to progress their career or come out or allies or even companies listening who want to make their workplace more inclusive and more equitable. So so the podcast launches, as you said, it is 30 days out. It's on National Coming Out Day. So really celebrating those who have come out before and um, celebrating um, the folks who are out there making it happen and sharing those stories to benefit others. I'm clapping. I'm so that's a, I can't wait to listen. That's going to be wonderful. Really. Yeah, thank you. Kudos thank you so you. much. Thank you. Right. We're going to move over to our three signature questions. Oh, boy. I appreciate so much everything that you shared. And I want to steer this to additional help for others. And the first question is, let's just say, here I am, I'm in my search, I'm in my career. Is there a go-to book 
that you would recommend that somebody who is trying to understand culture and its impact on diversity and their identity and their gender and all those kinds of things, what is the book that you would recommend that they read to learn, make, make peace with this decision and or you go create a ruckus? I don't know. Like, what is that go-to piece of um, work that you would recommend that they read? Well, I, I read a book called The Velvet Rage. It is a book that came out probably, I'm guessing, 15 years ago or more. It is a therapist who, who lived in San Francisco, may still live there, and took his collective work of working with queer people for over several decades and being able to pull out patterns and being able to pull out similarities and being able to talk about the queer experience. And, and there's some core learnings in that book. I mentioned actually this word earlier, and that is this, this need that, that many queer people feel to overcome shame and be able to accept who they are and be able to strive towards and work towards authenticity. So for me, this book was really transformative. It allowed me to really honor where I've come from and maybe honor my experience growing up in the Midwest and coming out and navigating my corporate world and being able to, I think, become more comfortable and, and finding comfort that some of the things that I'm experience, experiencing other people have. And so it's a, it's a, really, it's a really great book. And it's, it's definitely not a you know, on the business bestsellers list, but it is a personal book that I think can really transform both the professional and personal side of someone. Wonderful. I appreciate that. And I will definitely include it in the show notes. The second question is, is about post-its. I'm a big believer that when you see it, of course, you're either manifesting it or there's a certain intentionality behind it. Based off of this topic that we've been covering today with diversity, with taking risks, with being authentic and transparent, what would you recommend as the post-it to keep a gentle reminder or even a level of affirmation or, or cheerleading? What would you suggest? I love it. I have, a, I have my post-it sitting right here. <laughs> Come on. I love it. Um, you know, the thing that I that came to my mind right when you asked the question is you're enough. Mm -hmm. That I think is something that's really, really important. And I think navigating these insecurities, I believe potentially greater insecurities that some queer people come forward with, I think it, it is a, a big one. And I think the other, the other, maybe I have several post-its going. The other couple of post-its I might put out there are, you know, be willing to take risks mm -hmm. and, you know, be willing to have that conversation with a company or to network with someone who it's scary as I mentor and advise people and say, let's expand your network. Let's have you talk to folks. People get nervous. Why would they want to talk to me? Why would oh. they do this? Why would this happen? And, and I think that nine times out of 10, if not higher, 
We all want to help others. So I think taking that risk, putting yourself out there, making sure that you're taking the risk to, to take the opportunity. Love that. I always ask them, and why wouldn't they? Exactly. Exactly. That's right. And then there's always the phone call after of, that conversation was great. I loved it. (laughs) Exactly. The last question, David H. Dancer, is what is your walk-up song? Oh, wow. My walk-up song is Freedom by George Michael. The best, the best. I never hire that. That's it a is. Calm. It, it absolutely is my oh. favorite. My favorite musician of all time. Just read a a, a a a book on him that this summer that was amazing. And I think the the song based on our conversation today and the true reason he wrote that song is very fitting for taking that step and for stepping into his own and and being free. So I think I think that's it's fitting for today. Wow, wow, wow. So we are going to make sure in the show notes that we also include the link to your podcast. And of course, thank you a million trillion. I know you're getting ready for a massive vacation to Japan, but I will be thinking about you, no doubt, on 10-11 National Coming Out Day. And thank you a million for being here and for sharing so much and giving so much voice to topic and an area we all really need and um, need to know more about. So with that, we're going to stop recording. And by the way, you guys and you women, if you would, if you heard something that you like, do us a solid. Please rate and write a review. You know how these things go. There's no liftoff without you guys lifting. So we're doing some of it, and I would love to have you do some of it too, because this keeps us in our up-and-coming abilities to be able to reach more people and also be able to maintain opportunities for future growth. So you know how it goes. Thank you, thank you in advance for all of that, and we'll talk to you soon and talk to you next Thank you for joining today. We appreciate your listening ears. Big time. We ask this. Use these tools, not tomorrow, right now. And share them by spreading the love. Leaving us a rating and subscribe so you don't miss the next career blast in a half. Most of all, thank you for you.